Hello, Colorado. This is Philip Jordan with I Love Colorado Beer podcast. I Love Colorado Beer is your home for great beer gear, including t-shirts, sweatshirts, and much more on its way. Just go to ilovecoloradobeer.com. This is episode number two. Today on our show, we have Jason from Living the Dream. All right, we're here Living the Dream. I'm sitting here with Jason. Hi, Jason. Hello. So, you are the head brewer and owner here? Yes. Yes, I am. Perfect. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Um, you know, we started off and uh, kind of had this idea to, to, to do this and decided to, to make this happen in Colorado. And um, I come from a kind of a food and wine background and beer. Um, so I kind of started putting the plan together a number of years ago and, and met up with my business partner, Carrie, who's, um, and we, we just kind of went and ran with it from there. Um, Very cool. When did you guys set up? When did this place open? Uh, we opened July 12th of 2014, so about seven months ago. Perfect. And how did the idea of Living the Dream, what, how did you guys name it? Um, that's actually, naming either the brewery or the beers is one of the hardest things. I mean, A, there's so many breweries, and then multiply that by the number of beers. It's really difficult to find a name that isn't taken and that, um, you know, that has some kind of branding potential behind it. And, and so we kind of went through a lot of different op- op- opportunities and different names. And um, Actually, it was kind of a, a phrase I used to use more tongue-in-cheek in, in my previous lives when I was working a lot. Oh, how's it going? Oh, I'm living the dream. So we kind of went, well, you know what, let's kind of run this up the flagpole and kind of developed a branding idea around it and went from there. And it, and it, sure. So. What, what were some other contenders, if you don't mind sharing? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, none that got very far. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> you know, I was trying to come up with something that was I'm, I'm pretty style-driven as a, as a brewer, so mm-hmm. I was trying to come up with something that I was trying to tie in my food background. We looked at Epicurean. We looked at... Um, one of the funnier names we uh, thought about briefly was uh, just calling it On My Way. So if anybody called and said, where are you? I'm on my way. Uh, a little bit like the at-the-office idea for a bar. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, what were some of the challenges you faced? Because, I mean, obviously you guys are, this is a huge facility. And... Um, wow. Uh how much time do you have? Um, no, it was uh, a lot of, um, you know, we did a, so much planning. I mean, I was planning this for probably close to five years. Um, and then, a, and then a, about a year and a half full time when I moved here to do this. Um, were you for sure going to be Colorado based? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was living in Chicago at the time and I've wanted to live here for years, like since I was probably 12. Sure. Um, and then you add to that, and there's just no, to me, there's no better atmosphere. Um, the, the public here is so beer savvy and so um, they're laid back but serious about beer. You know, we I came from Chicago in the liquor retail industry where limited releases we'd have people following distributor delivery trucks around trying to get their hands on these beers and it was just so over the top and people here just really have a better knowledge of quality and and less hype you know there's just so much good beer to be had um 
you know, but we did so much of the work in the building ourselves, so that was probably the biggest challenge was um, taking on all that responsibility and, and just hard work, but also feeling our way through the, the building codes and the, the building department and everything we had to do with that was, was definitely our biggest challenge. So coming from like Chicago, there's there's a few breweries there that I that I can think of on the top of my head. But coming out to Colorado, where it's such it's so saturated in the beer world, how did did that scare you at all? No, um, for a couple of reasons. One, um, you know, in my research, I was following a lot of the numbers from the Brewers Association and the, uh, you know, and just looking at the market and having spent time out here. Um, now, when we when I decided to do it in Colorado there was a lot less breweries than there are now but the other thing is we did a lot of looking um, and positioned ourselves in an area that um, has a number of breweries but not near the density like around downtown sure. for those areas um, plus it's close to where I live which certainly makes it easier which is very nice yes. absolutely so let's um, go away from the brewery a little bit and go to you as a brewer specifically um, what so how did you first started brewing? Um, I was a general manager for the largest uh, beer, wine, and spirits retailer in the Midwest and working way too much. And my wife told me I needed a hobby. And having a passion for cooking and flavors and food and was had studied wine intensely and still very much into it, um, I looked at home brewing. I had a couple friends of mine that were home brewing, and and just um, so I thought, now ah, I'll give it a shot. You know, I kind of it's it begins like most things I start off in is just want to see if I can do it. You know, um, so started with that, and it just kind of rolled from there. So why why then did you go the beer route, not the wine route? Um, I, I really seriously considered going into winemaking at one time. Um, to be honest, it brewing fits my mindset better okay. in that my background in food and cooking as a brewer, you have more control over that, where winemakers just thoroughly impress me because they're given one ingredient and one shot at it, and you've got to make it from there, you know, where I can tweak recipes, I can sure. change things and make things happen, you know. Some of, I have a lot of really good friends who are winemakers, and, and I think what they do is more art than anything else. Um, and it was just, uh, I think it's a tougher field to get into at the at a, at a certain level, um, you know. And it, I, I still love wine, and I still kind of use those influences in my brewing. But um, brewing, you know, you're cooking and you're you're creating and you're adapting and you're you have so many variables that I can work with um, within the brewing process and the recipe that you just don't have in winemaking. So that's, that's probably the biggest reason, is I have more control. Sure. So what system did you first start using then when you are doing this? I first started, like almost every home brewer out there, on my stovetop brewing extracts. Um, okay. And it was a... Uh, I also very much like working with my hands and like building things, So, which is half of the fun of home brewing. So that was the other part of it that really appealed to me. So, I, you know... You start off, you're chilling your beer, your wort in a in an ice bath in the sink or on the bathtub or whatever, and you know, then you step up to the immersion chiller. And then, as my wife would say, I just never seemed to know when to quit, and I just kept advancing and kept advancing. And um, 
it was my second brew sculpture I built that was when I decided this is what I wanted to do. Was that in the house or was that in a garage? Garage. Or? Half my garage was a brewery. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and so once one car sits out in the in the driveway, the wife came in and said, and you and need it was to do this mine, a little yeah. bit larger. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you started off extract, you went to all grain. Yes. Um, what system did you start the all grain on? Uh, the first the first sculpture I built was it was a three tier behemoth that I actually made out of two by fours with a little bit of uh, steel strut around the burners. Uh, it probably weighed more than my car. Um, you know, just completely overbuilt it. Used what I had. Uh, it made good beer. It was just such such a huge thing to use and. I couldn't be as consistent as I wanted, so sure. um, from there I went to, and I designed, uh, it's a, as a matter of fact, it's sitting out behind the brewery right now, um, it's a two-tier, uh, my wife always tells the story, I asked for a welder for Christmas, and she didn't know what I was getting into, and so I welded the frame, and it's a two-tier system, it's a 10-gallon ten, system, um, direct fire on the mash tun, um, and then also on the hot liquor tank and, and boil kettle. Uh, and then I also moderately automated it using a, a BCS 460 controller so I could monitor the temperatures and it ran the... Did you run that off the computer then? And mm -hmm. Yep. Very nice. So. so what was the first beer that you ever brewed? The first beer I ever brewed was the Amber Ale from John Palmer out of Hata Brew. Very nice. It just was a good... I still think that's the best book for anybody who wants to start home brewing. What was that again? Uh, How to Brew by John Palmer. By John. And I got a chance to meet John twice now and just such a nice guy down to earth, you know. So that and that was after that was last year at Craft Brewers Conference, so you know, he's one of those guys that I kinda went, Yeah, you, you helped me get this going. So that was pretty cool. Wait, was that a good beer? Did it turn out good for your it first one? It was fine. It was I wouldn't say it was great. Um, I didn't have any flaws in it, which that I mean not perceptible flaws sure. um you know it wasn't a diacetyl bomb or anything like that but it, you know it wasn't spectacular but it was solid for an extract brew on my stove having never done it before so so when so once you built your your metal frame mm -hmm. uh, brewing gear you you jumped right into this place and it was this the next step it was and like i said when i built that system it was with the idea that I knew this is what I wanted to do. So I spent a long time studying the commercial process yep. and designed that system to mimic it completely. Did you design your whole setup back there, or did you go a lot off of what other people had recommended? Yes, both. Um, I designed the layout. Um, we worked with the, the uh, equipment manufacturer to um, where we did our a lot of our own. We did our own glycol system piping we did our own uh, uh, burner controls and burners under the kettles and, and all that kind of stuff um, but the the, the brewing community is just amazing um, I couldn't even begin to list the number of breweries that answered questions and and helped with design and you know and processes and, and all the questions that you thought you knew the answer to until it came time to actually do it and, and there's just everybody and, and you know then you try to you really feel obligated in a great way to pay it forward you know so I've talked to a number of breweries since we've opened you know about ideas and help and you just do it you know it's just such a fun 
you would think we'd be more competitive, but really nobody is. It's, well, you it's are really all, nice. Yeah, you're all family. That's yeah, what it very comes much. Down to. So, um, do you use more of the scientific method, or do you play around a lot with your recipes, trial and error? It's a combination. Um, you know, like I said, I'm more food and wine oriented and flavor oriented. So, when I am developing a recipe or a beer, I start with this is what I want the beer to taste like, and then I work towards it. Um, but you're still using, you know, the science and the chemistry and and all the numbers. And but on the same token, um, you know, we don't. We're pretty regimented with our recipes, and that if we do make a change, you know, we don't just hey, let's try this. It's it's very. It's either there's always a goal in mind with it. There's always a, a you know. So, something we're trying to achieve, whether it's a little bit darker or a little bit roastier or a little more hops, or uh, and then we're documenting everything. You know, yep. we really want to make sure um, we're con consistency is the key. So we're we're very much trying to um, get our recipes down to a point where they are consistent, they're locked in. Um, you know, and we're we're getting closer every day. Very cool. So, are you guys there yet? <laughs> are no. you happy with what you're doing? I don't. To be honest, I don't think I'll ever be. Um, you know, matter of fact, you guys asked me the question, what's, what's the favorite beer I've made? And I yep. said, I haven't made it yet because it's true. You know, it's, I always feel like we can go a little bit better. Absolutely. And, and just so the audience knows yeah, we've come in here, your interviews on our website already, but this is kind of nice to get the background story here directly from you, Jason. Sure. Um, what, what, um, beer are you known for? Cause I'm, I'm seeing quite a few up there. You guys have a lot on tap as well, so. Um, I would say there's a couple. Uh, I would say we're known for three things, two of which are beers and one of which is kind of an overall thing. Um, the two beers we're probably known for, um, and this one is is actually the one recipe that's not mine. This this is uh, Carrie, my business partner, hers. It's our hell of a Caucasian stout. And she developed this recipe and actually won a Sierra Nevada homebrew competition with it as a homebrewer. And it's a, it's a cream stout... Um, with, and she based the whole thing off the ingredients of a white Russian. So it's, uh, we use a local uh, coffee roaster for espresso, uh, Novo. Uh, we use Ghirardelli chocolate, uh, pure vanilla beans, and we actually use peanut butter, giving it a little bit of nuttiness. And our and our whole goal with the beer is, you can try it two different times and hopefully different flavors come through. We don't want any of those flavors to be dominant. We want them to all be kind of building blocks. And uh, you know, how we kind of test it is we have about four different people in here try it. And almost each one, every one will give us a different answer as to what, what they taste as the, the lead flavor. Um, so that one definitely we're known for. Um, our IPAs and double IPAs, we've definitely gotten a following for. Um, and then kind of the overall thing um, is we don't do as much with really creative ingredients. Um, I'm Like I said earlier, I'm much more style-driven. So especially, say, my, our Belgian beers, I really try to get true to style. You know, my goal is I want to brew the best Belgian double I can as opposed to, you know, I don't want to be known for adding rose hips and, you know, and... Dandelion greens or whatever. Just, I <laughs> sure. just really want to be. I just think those beers. There's so many great styles out there that if I can master the style the best I can, then if we do add something to it, you're on such a better building block than yep. you know. 
so we we really try very hard and not all of our beers are you know over the top flavors or over the top alcohol but we're trying to get as much flavor out of each beer and be true to its origins the best we can so i would say those are the things we're known for so is there a beer up there that has surprised you the most in sales or how it turned out was there something that you just made that you're like this is a success and I didn't plan it. Um, you know, it's not up there right now, um, but we released a beer. When we opened, we opened with five beers, and every one of them was above 6.5% alcohol. And we kind of felt like, okay, we need a, a lower-gravity beer. Um, and I did, you know, looking around and talking to the other breweries around, Kolsch was very, very pop, popular by breweries in the area, so I thought, well, let's be different. So I made an, a Dusseldorf Alt beer, which is an ancient style, predates lagering, actually. It's an amber, it's, in taste terms, it's like an amber Kolsch. It's a light beer, but has some ambers, a little bit of, you know, dark flavors to it. But we thought, eh, you know, it's not that well known. Um, the one true example coming out of Germany, I don't think it's even imported anymore from Stickel. Uh, so we thought, well, we'll make it. And then we also tied it in with um, the Douglas County Library System had done a beer tour and so we released it at the same time so we let them name it and they and they came up with the name Alt Whitman so we released it and I was happy with it I really thought it was a good beer but I thought no no we'll see it'll be on people uh -huh. want to try it it quickly rose to our second best selling beer and uh, people just loved it and so we don't have it on now uh, we have the exact same beer on now as a lager which just means I used a different yeast because in brewing, we try to recycle our yeast so and reuse them for batch to batch. So it's the same beer, and it's doing well. Um, but yeah, that one was pretty surprising. Uh, in fact, we were lucky enough we won a gold at the All Colorado Beer Festival with it, and that was that was definitely uh, that was a humbling experience. You know, that is pretty to be, awesome. Um, so that was probably definitely our biggest surprise beer so far. And then, of course, then we're not making it. We'll probably do it again, but um, sure. You're not gonna make that one of your regulars. That it's just gonna be. No, it would. It's not cost effective, like I said, with the yeast. Do you enter? Do you go to a lot of the um, competitions around? You know, they're they've kind of been in the off season right now. Um, we're getting ready to submit some beers to yeah. the. I think it's uh, Brewing News, their IPA and double IPA mm -hmm. competition. Um, and we entered some beers in GABF. Um, we didn't win any medals, but we've been open three months, so I wasn't exactly yeah. expecting, you know, five golds for the five beers. But uh, and we learned a lot. Right. That's the biggest thing. Every competition you enter is is more than a competition; it's a learning experience. You know, you learn a little bit about what the judges are looking for, and that's not always the same thing as your customers looking for either. So, um, you know, our hell of a Caucasian is a great example. It really doesn't fit anywhere for competitions because it's a flavored beer, it's a chocolate beer, it's a cream stout. It's got all these different aspects, but because they all play a role, it doesn't really get fit into a category very well. So we've learned that, you know. But we've we we try. We're going to enter some more this year um, and, and see how we do. But to me, it's more about you know if I've got a tap room full of people enjoying my beer, I, that's more important to me than than winning a medal. Absolutely. And your beers are excellent. Thank you. Do you, um, how many beers, I'm counting how many beers you have up there right now, how many beers do you have on tap at all times? 
It varies. Um, the tap room's been busy enough that we're we're working very hard to maximize it. Um, I'm trying to keep somewhere between nine and twelve. Okay. Um, How many flagship beers? We have seven that we're and we're we just kind of switch gears a little bit in that we're trying to get so those are on all the time. You know, we've kind of we've learned our system, we've learned our are scheduling a little better, so that's kind of what we're working towards. So what is yeah? So what is the future of living the dream? The future um, we've always had a long-term plan in that we we want to be a package brewery, meaning we want to be in cans, kegs, and bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, the tap room was just phase one for us. Uh, we are getting to the point. I just pulled the trigger on some more kegs. So we can start hopefully getting on draft in some local accounts, and we also just started a plan in motion to do a little bit of uh, limited bottling to sell both here in the tap room and a few of the local accounts. But um, our goal is to grow and um, be. We want to get. I mean, we we see ourselves growing into a, a much larger presence both in the Denver market, Colorado market, and beyond. So what size systems do you have back there? <coughs> right now we Current. brew on a seven barrel system, okay. and I have 49 barrels of fermentation capacity. Um, wow. So that, like right now, we have about 47 barrels in tank. Um, so right, we're, we said we're, we're, we switch gears to where now, instead of trying to brew, okay, this is what I think we're going to need. If a tank's empty, we're filling it. You know, that's just kind of the mindset we've gone to. Um, probably the next growth step for us will be more fermenters and another bright tank. So um, this place is, I mean, this place is large enough where you can easily expand. Did you set it up in any specific way right now in that hopes that you can expand? Absolutely. Um, you know, our, our brewery's definitely off the beaten path a little bit, um, and we traded that uh, for space and, honestly, lower rent. Um with that in mind, I have, uh, we, you know, we've kind of planned, we've already kind of planned for our next brewing system um, with the way we laid this out, uh, but in the short term, I have I have room to double my, firm, more than double my fermentation capacity uh, without changing my brew house, but then we also left room, uh, we actually left room for a 20 or 30 barrel brew house and system in here if we when we get to that point, so we, we wanted, you know, we wanted to have the infrastructure in place with the, the plumbing and the gas and everything like that. So we did that up front, and then it, we think it'll pay dividends down the road. That's that's incredible. You got, you have a you have some awesome light back there as well. Yeah, it's, it's really nice for how big it is. So, how do you, do you guys cater to families and pets? And um, we're dog friendly, uh, mostly because Karen and I both are dog people and have have dogs um you know we just ask you're welcome to bring your dog we just ask to keep them on a leash um so we don't have any absolutely you know dog fights and <laughs> right right spill beers um family wise you know i wouldn't say we completely cater to families we do with some of our events but we're what i would call family neutral you're yeah. welcome to bring kids especially when the weather's nice we open up the garage doors and the seating kind of flows outside um you know we we realize, and you know, I have kids, and I, and we're right next to Highlands Ranch, which is kind of Denver's family mecca. So we, we definitely did not want to discourage that. Absolutely. Well, I see a blackboard back here of events, and you have some kid events on there, mm-hmm. which is kind of really fun. Um, 
So saying that you're not specifically catered towards families and such, I mean, you do have a lot of activities for Definitely. families. Are these events up on your website at all? Yes. They're on our website, and we usually post them on our Facebook page. Um, and you can also sign up. Uh, Dave, who does some of, is one of our taproom guys and does some marketing for it, uh, sends out a weekly email, and he... I give him credit. He really writes good emails. They're pretty funny. Um, but they, they tell, you know, what's on tap, what's coming up. Um, we don't bombard you. And, of course, we don't give any email addresses to anybody. We don't sell them or any of that kind of stuff. But Very cool. Um, social media has been our marketing budget. So where can we find you on Facebook? Um, just Living the Dream Brewing. Livingthedreambrewing.com. Yep. Or just... Dot, and, if, um, and if you if you pull up a, a brewery in Minnesota, that's not the right one. Okay, so it's livingthedreambrewery.com is your Brewing. website. Brewing.com. Yep. So how can Isle of Colorado Beer and our listeners help Living the Dream achieve your vision? Um, you know, if if you can make it down to the tap room, come come check us out. Um, you know, there's food trucks six nights a week now. We do trivia. We do all kinds of fun stuff. Um, and if you happen to see our logo out in the market, give us a shot and tell your friends. I mean, that's really how this whole thing has been built. Um, we've made an unbelievable amount of friends. Uh, you know, it's just been such an overwhelmingly positive experience. And, you know, we, like I said, we opened July 12th, and uh, we took this building over January 1. So we had six months of build-out, you know, dirty, sweaty work, long days, and... Uh, you know, no money coming in, crazy amounts of money going out. Right. But 20 minutes after we opened the doors, we had probably 50 people waiting in line to get a beer. That is awesome. And it, and it was like all that hard work just gone. Yep. You know, it was just such a, a satisfying feeling. Which which is great. You get the community involved. Because you said they, um, you were mentioning earlier that the community actually was involved in helping you put this together. Definitely. We had a lot of people who just wanted to be a part of it. You know, and, and it's become kind of their home away from home, um, you know, kind of cheers-esque. But, yeah, we had a lot of, uh, the entire tap room we did ourselves with help of, of some volunteers. You know, we had contractors do what we had to have contractors mm -hmm. do. But um, so many people just wanted to be involved and just, you know, kind of say they were part of it. It was really, really special. Uh, that, that's that's great to hear. That's really cool. Um, so thank you, Jason, for your time. Um, I'm going to go on to a few questions that we have that you are unfamiliar with. Okay. And um, I just want to make sure that um, I ask you, you are not familiar with these with this next set of questions. I have not talked to you about them before yet. No, I haven't. Perfect. They are a set of 11 questions. It's a lightning round mode. Okay. And um, we're gonna you're going to try to answer these as fast as you can. Uh, with whatever answer pops into your head first. At the end of the year, we're going to do something special for the person who answers these the quickest. Okay. So whenever you're ready, I'm going to go ahead and get my alarm going and my stopwatch. All right. Let's go. All right. What's your most difficult beer you've ever made? Probably the hell of a Caucasian style. Why? Because... It's not my typical style because it has all those creative ingredients and then also trying to balance all those flavors and get them to, to really play with each other well. Do you prefer cans or bottles? Cans. Favorite beer in the world? Uh, Roquefort 10. Best brewery in the world? Ooh. I would probably say Roquefort. Best brewer in the world? Vinny Cerluzzo. What's the most more fun? Home brewing or commercial brewing? Commercial. 
does living the dream, how often does living the dream have to kick someone out because they're too drunk? Every three weeks. Nice. What is your name? Jason. Favorite color? Blue. What's the airspeed velocity of an Aladdin swallow? <laughs> A little Monty Python for you. Uh, pass. <laughs> in the movie Strange Brew, what did Doug and Bob claim to have found in a beer bottle? A mouse. Very nice. And that would be exactly one minute, four seconds. Thanks, Jason. Thank you very much. We would like to thank Jason with Living the Dream for giving us this opportunity for the interview. Please stay tuned for our next podcast. And remember to check out our website, ilovecoloradobeer.com.